The NBA playoffs are heating up and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. DraftKings brings you same game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. You can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just five bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligible and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. everybody it is thursday march 25th 2023 and it is indeed a heck of a morning we are live on the mma fighting twitter spaces you hear the show in its entirety shortly thereafter on the mma fighting podcasting network hi everybody i am mike hack thank you for joining us live or if you're listening after the fact we appreciate that as well no ufc this weekend we do have some boxing There's a lot going on in the MMA community, a lot of stories. Dana White seems to be targeting a lot of people and saying some stuff about fighters who were once in the UFC, who were once champions in the UFC, are current champions in the UFC. A lot going on. But I thought it would be fitting to start with a little bit of a recap from Power Slap 2 last night. (laughs) i'm only kidding there's no friggin' chance we're talking about that shit on this program um but yeah apparently it happened and i don't give a shit that it happened so there you go that's as much as we're going to talk about so let's just go to you all and let's talk about some mma and not power slap because that shit is ridiculous Zach, kick us off. Zach, you're muted. I had you. Hello. What's up, man? Hey, you know, I really thought you were going to start with that power slapping. I was about to be like, wow, that'd be a first 
on here, but uh, <laughs> you know, honestly, I saw a lot of the highlights on his on Twitter, which I can understand. Probably other people who follow the UFC did since they just floated all over the pages. But uh, I'm not here to talk about that. We're not want to talk about that. The thing that I found interesting, you know, on Tuesday, great Ryan Sterling, Dana White agreed with a lot of what you had to say. Um, I just found it interesting slight hypocrisy with it all in the sense of for Dana where it's like you have these champions who you know you got Jamal Hill who hasn't fought in a while and you have Islam Makachev who hasn't fought in a while you know and you know Dana's cool with Islam waiting until October and until Yuri gets healthy for Jamal but then you have you know Sean O'Malley ready to go Aljamain Sterling's you know got to fight him in August even though Aljo said you know he could fight in September so and you also even have the Leon Edwards situation where it seemed like, you know, Colby was ready to go. Dana wants them to do July. And even Dana let Leon, you know, go like, yeah, you know, we can let him wait. He doesn't need a fight in London, despite them probably wanting to do a pay-per-view there. So my question is, uh, with this Alger situation, did he have the unfortunate benefit of the UFC almost having a hand-picked guy who they really like in O'Malley ready to go? Let's say, you know, it was a cluster of Corey, Cheeto, and another fighter, let's say. Would they would they have maybe given Alger a little more time, or do you think it's just Sean O'Malley was there? They want to get Sean maybe as quick to the title as possible, maybe even have you know Sean headline Boston specifically, and that's the reason why. Because it seems like it's not like you know anything with Jamal Hill or Islam or anything, but why hasn't Jamal you know fought somebody else in the meantime or Islam? And I think it's maybe because of I would assume it has to be because there's no clear cut uh, you know contender or you know. There's an injury in the way. But um, I also found that interesting with the whole Leon Colby thing, similar to the uh, Aljo thing, because it seemed like, you know, they gave Leon that extension, even though, you know, they didn't force him, you know, after fighting in March to go fight now in July. But um, it's interesting to see. Mike, I want your thoughts on that and uh, have a great day. Yeah, this has been a, a pretty interesting story. And I wish this was like a new wrinkle. But it's not, because as Ariel brought up in the MA Hour, this is incredibly reminiscent of when Tyron Woodley was the welterweight champion. Kind of thrown under the bus, was put in sort of, not no-win situations, but tough-to-win situations. And anytime Woodley kind of stood his ground, he just got shit on by the promotion. And that's just not what promoters do. And I do, and I feel, and I've been saying this from the beginning. Like I feel for Aljo, and I get what I posted because I had to write up his response from the podcast, and we put a little graphic out on our Instagram page, and I shared it on my story, and I said he's not wrong, and I got a bunch of responses about this, and some of which were, yeah, he's not wrong, and some of which are. Well, Aljo's just kind of, kind of big wheeling this and all that, and then someone was like, "Well, of course he's wrong. He's comparing himself to Conor McGregor, and that's not what he was doing." Because at one point he was like, "Anytime Conor does anything, you say, wow, Conor is awesome. Why can't I be awesome?'" That's not him comparing himself to Conor McGregor. That's just him putting out an example. It was, a, it was an oddly specific example, using the biggest star in the sport. So I guess I get where that's coming from, but. In context, it's just this is what Aljo's meaning was if Connor crossed the streets and used the crosswalk, Dana would be like, wow, this man follows the law to a T. We need to praise him. 
And Aljo goes out and beats Henry Cejudo and says he'll turn around in three months, but that's not enough to get credit. And of course, Dana responds back saying, well, Aljo's the one that put out that he's a little dinged up and the fight might be in jeopardy. How am I not giving him credit? But then Aljo said, look, you booked this fight as soon as my fight ended. The second my fight ended, I went to the back and by the time I could even jump in the shower, you had already said, we're going to do Aljamain Sterling versus Sean O'Malley in August. Aljo hadn't even like taken a victory drink, hadn't even changed his clothes yet, and you had already announced the next fight. And Aljo's like, what the fuck, man? I literally just had a five-round battle with this guy, and now you're going to turn me around in three months without even asking me about it? You're just going to announce the fight? And then Francis signs with the PFL, and then they come out and say, it's official. It's happening. And I know for a fact that it wasn't official when they announced the fight. Aljo said yes, but all he said was, look, I just got to get checked out. And he literally was on the MMA hour the day before that and said, look, if I can start training next week, if I go see the doctors about my nagging injuries and they say, you're good to go to start training next week, then I'm in. I will fight Sean O'Malley but at least let me get checked out. Like, I don't understand the problem with that. I don't understand the problem with that. The Islam thing's different because Abu Dhabi pays them, I mean, just an absurd amount of money and they have to put on sort of specific cards. They will stack the deck. They will put local fighters on there or at least fighters that will have the people from that area buy tickets to want to see them. It's not worth risking Islam Makachev for that business sense because if Islam goes in there and fights at Dustin Poirier or something and they go to war and he can't fight in October, then all the money, it's not thrown away, but they're going to be a little bit disappointed that Islam Makachev's on the main event. So I give them a pass on that. It's business. You got to do that. Jamal Hill, I have no idea what's going on. There is no, le- there is no real number one guy right now. There is one, but it's Yuri Prohashka. We don't know what the hell's going on. We had the... Jan Bohovic versus Magomed Ankalaya fight that no one seemed to love, Dana especially. So I don't know what's going on there. The Leon Colby one is super weird because I actually thought Leon versus Colby should have been the main event for Boston over Aljamain Sterling versus Sean O'Malley. You push Sterling O'Malley back a month or two, like who gives a shit? You think Aljamain Sterling, Sean O'Malley is going to do better than Leon Edwards versus Colby Covington? And then Leon says he wants to do it in Abu Dhabi. That makes no sense. It makes no sense to have that fight there. None. None. And they're not going to main it. They're not going to headline over Islam Makachev versus whoever he fights. So I don't know. It's just all so weird. It's all so strange. And O'Malley was the handpicked guy. After he beat Piotr Jan, he was the dude. We all knew that. They had the face to face, but. To turn Aljo around in three months, that this has to be the main event for Boston. I don't get it. But what are we gonna like? When is Leon versus Colby gonna happen? That's my question. Because these cards are filling up, man. They're filling up. And we're running out of spots. My guess is they're probably gonna go November. Do John Jones versus Stipe. If you can get that done, that's the main event. Colby challenging Leon the co-main event, that's a pretty damn good one-two punch right there. We could do that. I don't know. But this whole thing is bizarre. 
And all Aljo wants is just like what all promoters would do. You think Scott Coker or Ray Cepho or Eddie Hearn or even like an Oscar De La Hoya type or even Dave Feldman, you think any of those guys are coming out and being like, hey, this guy can't get out of his own way because he wants to make sure that lingering injuries from his fight from less than two weeks ago are cleared up so he can compete three months later. You think any other promoter on planet Earth would give Aljo this much shit for this? No. And I can already see it now. And, I, and we get these comments all the time. Oh, there we go. We're just hating on Dana. This is You're supposed to be the promoter. You're supposed to promote. Not just fights. Not just events. You're supposed to promote the fighters. You're supposed to promote them as the best fighters in the world. And all Aljo wants is like, hey, look, Aljo's a man of his word. He said he would fight. He's a little banged up. He just wants to get cleared 100% by the doctors to train. Once he does that, this kid's kid's about to break a record. This kid's about to break a record. If he beats Sean O'Malley, he's the first Bantamweight champion ever to defend his title four times. It's on the precipice of being possibly the greatest Bantamweight of all time. Can't you just say that? Instead of, oh, this guy can't get out of his own way. I feel like we're just going back to my rant on Tuesday, but the whole thing is ridiculous. Dana's response to it all, to fan side, it was ridiculous. Just promote, man. Like, you can say shit. Like, if someone is, like, a clear issue and a problem, be Dana. Like, that's why people, you know, kind of fell in love with Dana to begin with. That's why he's the face of the company. He tells it like it is. But... There's got to be levels to this. You can't just bury a guy because he fought two weeks ago and he might have an injury that he needs cleared a little bit and may need to push the fight back a month, if that. Who, like, I, I don't understand why this is such a problem. I, I can't believe we're talking about this. I mean, I wish I could say I can't believe we're talking about this, but we've seen this story before. It's the same old song and dance. And you bet your ass they're trying to get Sean O'Malley over. They're trying to give Sean the, the best chance to win the title. But even then, I, I still don't know if he beats Aljamain Sterling. And boy, is that post-fight press conference going to be fun if Alger goes out there and just washes Sean O'Malley. Four-quarter sports, hello. I feel like that's obviously that's what they want to do. But even if Alger was to beat Sean, do you believe that in the event of a loss for Sean O'Malley, um, Aljo vacates the belt and then you think they actually put Sean back into a title shot just because it seems like they're desperate to get get him over um, any means possible. Um, you made a, a good point. I was thinking that, you know, if they're not going to put what's it called um, Covington versus Edwards um, for the Boston card, I mean, it makes no sense to put it in Sydney. I mean, unless they, they really need uh, a second title fight. I mean, the only viable option would be um, MSG just because uh, Abu Dhabi makes no sense whatsoever. Um, none of them have any ties to over there. And obviously, whenever they go to MSG, they always try to stack the deck. Um, I was looking at some of the cards that are happening in the next couple of weeks. And I noticed, I mean, it's not favorable towards you. I mean, we have, uh, I think, a 10 o'clock. Um, what's it called? A uh, fight night with Marvin Vittori and uh, Jerry Cannonier, and then next week we got uh, 
Kai Carl France versus um, Amir Abazi. I mean, how do you feel about the start times and how do you feel about the, the cards that are leading up up until International Fight Week? And um, yeah, that's it. All right, thanks, Mike. Yeah, um, I mean, I think MSG makes all the sense in the world at this point to uh, to do Leon versus Colby. Abu Dhabi makes no sense. Sydney doesn't really make a lot of sense either. But we'll see what happens. We don't even know who Israel Adesanya is going to fight yet. Yeah, Kai Car France, Amir Abazi, 9 p.m. main card. Obviously, the pay-per-view is 10 p.m. main card. We got Vittori Cannonier, 10 p.m. main card. That's just what you want to see at 1 a.m. Eastern. Is a middleweighty middleweight fight going probably five rounds. At least Emmett Taporia is, we get that ABC schedule where the main card starts at 3 p.m. Eastern. So we make up for it the following week. And then it's a 7 p.m. main card for Strickland Magomedov. And then, yeah, well, man, I'm looking at it right now. 10 p.m. main card, obviously, for International Fight Week. And then the Holly Holm Myra Bueno Silva card is also a 10 p.m. card. <laughs> this is unbelievable. Unbelievable. And then we make up for it the next week because they're in London. And it's a 3 p.m. main card. So yeah, we're gonna we're gonna take a little bit of a of a lack of sleep over some of these cards, but it is what it is. At least we get sprinkles of some afternoon MMA and I love some afternoon MMA. As far as the cards leading up to International Fight Week, I mean, they are what they are, man. I mean, Kai Car France versus Amir Abazi is a great fight. Like I'm, I, I like that fight a lot. It just doesn't seem like a main event kind of fight, but this is the world we live in right now, my friends. They have all these spots they need to fill, and they got to get guys in there to to take those spots. Two eighty nine is not great. On paper, I think there's some interesting fights. I still have – I got vibes about the main events. I got vibes. Vittori Cannonier is what it is. Emmett Teporia will be a, f- a fun fight. And again, it's afternoon MMA. It's in Jacksonville. We'll have a crowd for that one. The Strickland Magomeda fight is just so weird. And then we go right into International Fight Week. So it's it's fights, I guess. But this is the the fight night era, my friends. Just so many cards and not enough stars to fill them. So this is kind of what we get. And I'm not saying these are going to be like bad watches. They're just not spectacular looking fight cards on paper. It's not what we expect from the UFC. The NBA playoffs are heating up and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook an official sports betting partner of the NBA. DraftKings brings you same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. Don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. And new customers to DraftKings can bet 5 bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly. You can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. 
Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over. Age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligible and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Let's go to Tristan. What's up, Tristan? Mike, can you hear me? Yes. Sorry about last on oh, Tuesday. I don't know what happened. The connection was really bad. I don't know what was going on. Anyway, um, I want to go back this past Saturday. Uh, Anthony Fluffy Hernandez's performance was just absolutely incredible. Um, that, he's not technically uh, sound as far as a grappling is concerned, but it makes up with cardio and pace and transition. Uh, his fighting style reminds me a lot about uh, um, Kobe Covington, of putting that pace and just all over you. And look at Kobe, he's fighting for a championship. So not saying that, you know, Fluffy's going to be a title contender or he's going to win the title, the middleweight title, anytime soon. But any fighter that is going to fight him and they see that contract, they're going to be like, man, it's going to be a rough night. Because And one of the things, too, that was very interesting before that fight against Edmund Shabazian, uh, Fluffy was like, yo, dude, if you, I'm going to test his, his cardio. And, uh, dude, if you don't have the – get out in top condition, you're done. And it's so true. Like, you got to have the gas tank because if you don't have the gas tank, you're done. If you don't have the cardio, you're done. You know, and that's what it is. And he could get a long way with that. Um, just, I mean, because as the fight goes on, it's just – wash, rinse, and repeat. And the good thing is, too, is like, even though he's not holding the, he's not holding you down, he'll let you back up, and then he's throwing strikes, then he level chains, brings you back down again. It's going, it's wash, rinse, and repeat. It's just, just incredible. It's a joy to watch. I think we talked about, when it comes to grappling, those are the type of grapplers you love to see, not the ones that just lay and pray. And that, that just makes it amazing. Like, if this guy, I think, Somebody on, I know, I don't know which one matched him up against Jack Manson. I'm picking Fluffy in that fight because Jack Manson is starting to slow down a little bit. And we saw him, we saw Jack Manson slow down against, um, he lost to uh, Gerald Mirshaw. Mirshaw was able to break that dude. So, you know, just your thoughts on Fluffy. And then my other question, too, is Ian Martin's article about um, the UFC uh, endeavor trying to. Uh, get multiple broadcast partners and then splitting up the uh, broadcast rights. Like, I don't even know how that's going to work and how you could do it in MMA because this is not the NFL. This is not the NBA. I mean, I, I don't know how that would work. Do you probably have a theory of how it would work if, it, if, if they do go about that way? Uh, just let me know your thoughts. Thanks, Mike. Yeah. Uh, Fluffy, I mean, Fluffy's, Fluffy's just really good. He's a guy that you have to just get him out of there early or he will just put it on you. And he doesn't stop. 
that's just so tough to deal with, especially in this division. So I'm excited to see what they do with him. I'd like to see them get a step up. I didn't love the uh, the Shabazian matchmaking for Edmund. And I feel like they've kind of just screwed the pooch on Edmund. Ever since the uh, the win at MSG at 244, they've just put him in. They've just kind of killed him with matchmaking. Trying to build this guy back up, and you're just throwing him in there with just horrible matchups. And I know Shabazian had his moments in the first round, but as soon as Edmund landed a big shot on Hernandez, and it seemed like maybe Hernandez was stung a little bit, and he just looked back and smiled at Shabazian, the whole entire narrative of the fight changed. And then Fluffy just did fluffy things. So, yeah, I, I'm interested to see how, how high he can go in this division. That's for sure. And as far as the TV rights go, yeah, I mean, this could go a number of different ways. Like, they could do – they could still do pay-per-views on ESPN Plus and, and have that relationship as well. They could go to some streaming services. They could – there's a lot they could do with this. I mean, their their TV rights are going to be massive by the time this thing comes up. The UFC is – Look, you can say what you want about the UFC and the cards and all this stuff and whatever, but they have won. They have won the game. They are printing money left and right. They're coming off of just an incredibly profitable year, just an unbelievable, like the most profitable year probably in the history of combat sports. They're killing it. They're killing it. And they don't have to try very hard. They've won the game and they're just cruising along and money is printing everywhere. But it will be interesting to, interesting to see how, how this broadcast deal works. I'm sure ESPN is very happy with, with the UFC. I'm sure they're very happy with the deal. I'm curious to see how this plays out. Will they go to multiple networks? I don't know. Will like Turner take a shot on them? Or will they just be mostly streaming? Will ESPN be a part of it? I don't know if ESPN will be a part of it It's part if it's part of a collective unless – Maybe it's just the pay-per-views. I don't know. But that will be interesting. That's a big part of this merger is the television rights. Not only for the UFC, but for WWE as well. So I have zero insight. I have no idea how this is going to work. It's going to be one of those things where it could be an 11th hour deal, just like the Fox thing. Fox was going to be Fox wasn't even really in play for the UFC until they became the player just out of nowhere. 11th hour, boom, came in with a big, big offer and the UFC took it. But I'm sure there'll be a lot of a lot of entities bidding for the UFC. When that time comes, they're going to make a ton of money on this deal, too. Barbarossa, hello. Uh, hi, Mike. Uh, I just have a question. What do you think is the most messed up division in the UFC right now? Because you have the welterweights, where do you have uh, Kobe Covington fighting for the title, which not the most deserving shot, but he is. And we don't know what to do with uh, Bilal. And uh, we just hear that comes at one to fight Usman uh, at the welterweight, which that makes him the number one contender and we just don't know what to do with it or is it the lightweight where do you you had a 
number one contender, but you've made him fight the champion. And what if Charles Oliveira wins? Do you make a rematch in Abu Dhabi against Islam? Does it make sense? Or do you wait for the BMF title winner and make him fight Islam and Charles has beaten a guy on a strike just for nothing? Or uh, is it the heavyweight because you have uh, a clear number one contender, which is he not going to fight for the title this year? What do you think, Mike? Thank you. Boy, is that a loaded question. There's a... There's a lot of them right now. There's a lot of them right now. Flyweight seems fine looking at flyweight. We have Moreno fighting Pantoja next. It's the fight that needs to happen. Bernard Royval is kind of in, in wait. Bantamweight's a mess right now because of the Sean O'Malley situation. We got Marab who... Could be the best bantamweight in the world. His teammate is the champion, so they're never going to fight each other. So Hudo's in there. Corey Sanhagen's in there. We got some up-and-comers. That's kind of messy. Featherweight is seems to be okay. We have an actual, for the first time in a long time, we have like a legit, different number one guy in Yair Rodriguez but it's still kind of a mess because Max Holloway's in there and he could thwart a lot of these plans. Lightweight's kind of messy because they went to that Volk fight so quickly, but it could get messy again. If Charles Oliveira wins, it could get messy again. I don't think Poirier and Gaethje are going to turn around that quickly and fight Makachev, especially if Poirier wins. I just don't see it happening. Those two are just going to beat the hell out of each other. I just don't see a world where those two guys are going to be able to come back in like two months and fight, two and a half months. So if Darius wins, we have our main event for Abu Dhabi. My thought is if Oliveira wins, I don't think he gets the shot, but he's kind of be he's kind of like the just-in case. And if Volkanovsky goes out there and just rolls Yair, I could see them running that one back. I could see them being like, oh, let's just give them the biggest fight we can. Let's do the rematch. Welterweight is kind of messy, mostly because of Hamzat. But until, again, until I see Hamzat actually book a fight and it is announced that this weight and then he makes the weight and then makes the walk, I don't believe he's fighting. I'll believe it when I see it. Middleweight's in a weird place right now with Izzy being the champion. We got Drickus Duplessis, Robert Whitaker scheduled to fight. We got Vittorian Cannoneer scheduled to fight. Neither of those guys are in play. Paul Costa is supposed to fight Ikram Alaskarov. I don't know what happens with that. I, I Middleweight's not really a mess. Izzy's just beat most of these guys already. Light heavyweight's kind of messy because we don't know what's going on with Yuri Prohashka and there's no clear-cut guy. Jan Bohovic and Alex Pereira are fighting in July, so that'll make sense of some things, at least in some way. And then heavyweight's just kind of what we expected as soon as John Jones came back and Francis left. Wins the belt, he's going to fight Stipe, and then after he beats Stipe, if he does, he's just going to be like, all right, I'm out of here until something cool comes along. But at the same time, when that happens, or if that happens, it's going to be fun as hell. 
because we got Pavlovich, we got Tommy Aspinall, we got Jailton Almeida, we got guys coming up who are in like really interesting, really interesting. But I think my my actual answer to this question is women's bantamweight because one, there are no women's bantamweights. There's like seventeen of them. We have a champion who has beat pretty much everybody. And we just don't have like a lot of big names right now. Like if there's a division that needs like a complete overhaul right now, it's probably women's bantamweight. I mean, Holly Holmes, I mean, look at it. It's, we Just look at the UFC rankings. We have 12 ranked fighters that are actual bantamweights. And then we have three fighters in the rankings who are featherweights, are mostly featherweights. There are, there's nobody in this division. That is a mess. Like, if Amanda Nunes beats Irene Aldana, like, who the fuck is she going to fight now? Are they just going to go right to Juliana Pena? Are they going to do Raquel Pennington? We've seen both of those fights already. There's literally nobody. I don't know. But we talk about women's bantamweight all the time. Like anytime there's a women's bantamweight fight, we put it over because they never happen. We went like three or four months at the end of last year without an actual 135-pound fight for the ladies. That division is a hot mess right now. It's bad. I mean, it's just bad. There's just nobody there. It's messy all over the place. And that's what happens when you are a company like the UFC and you want to just put on the biggest fights regardless of merit. This is where, this is what you kind of get left with. Everything's a mess. And then you try to put it back together. Eventually it will get put back together, but just how and when. But that's a great question. There's a lot of divisions that are really messy right now for all sorts of different reasons. What's up, Abzalia? Yeah. So, um, just to add on to the convo you were speaking with the previous um, uh, person just now, you know, regarding, I think um, the flyweight division, both the men's and women are quite interesting, especially seeing how um, the scenarios could possibly change. We have the, obviously, Alexa Grasso rematch with um, Shevchenko. And um, if Shevchenko loses, obviously, that is, that's the end of an era for that fighter. And obviously we have the Aaron Blanchfield and uh, Fiora fight that could possibly happen in France. And whoever wins, that is the number one contender. Um, you know, so obviously those kind of divisions are interesting. Um, as for, I guess, something like Walterweight and Middleweight, you know, I, I reckon with Hamza, what I can see happening is because he's, he realistically, he's the star. He has all the money and hype, you know, like fans really want to watch him. If he does end up fighting Kamaru Usman in, Abu Dhabi at USC uh, 294, I can definitely see him um, being chosen over Bilal Muhammad for the next title shot after Kobe versus Leon. And, you know, I think also with um, 205, there really does need to be a true champion in that division who can probably at least, at the very least, defend their title for four or five um, title defenses because we haven't really had a very good champion, realistically speaking, outside of John Jones and you know, maybe Tito Ortiz and Daniel Cormier. Um, I also think the featherweight division is quite interesting just because we actually have a lot of legit contenders. Um, you know, Ilo Tuporia, 
there's uh, Dan Ige, you know, there's um, the guy who just re- uh, recently fought at 288, I think Mova or something, his name. So I'm really Bob curious Sarri, to yep. see. Yeah. You know, the, those are, I mean, I think the UFC is an interesting spot. You know, the middleweight is probably going to become a great division um, in the next one or two years. Adesanya probably has one or two fights left realistically as well. So, yeah, I mean, uh, and also just uh, another thing I want to touch on, um, how with the, the I mentioned yesterday the Marvin Vittori Kenya fight asking who you think will win like if I guess um, what uh, Kenya wins does he does it put him I guess into a possible title contention shot again down the line that's all have a good day man yeah I mean I, I do agree like women's flyweight is awesome like that is a that's a really fun division because we got Fioro, we got Aaron Blanchfield, Tyler Santos hasn't we haven't seen her since the Shevchenko fight and she gave Shevchenko everything she could handle. Amanda Hebas continues to win. We have Macy Barber, Casey O'Neill's coming up, Tracy Cortez is coming up. I mean, that is a fun division. There's no shortage of potential at 125. And then you mix in 115 is always just pretty fun. Some of the names are, you know, sort of the same, but at the same token, there's a lot of fun, compelling matchups. And I've been saying for a long time, I think featherweight is the most underrated division in the sport, especially in the UFC when you have still Brian Ortega there. We haven't seen him fight in a minute. You got Taporia coming up. You got Abloyev coming up. Sadiq Yusuf is going to hit his athletic prime pretty soon. Bryce Mitchell, Nate Landwehr is on his way up. I mean, there's just – there's a bunch of, like, fun featherweights right now. Like, a year or two from now, featherweight's going to be really, really fascinating. We got guys like Jonathan Pierce. We got Billy Hughes in for fun fights. Lerone Murphy, another guy. Nathaniel Woods looked great since he came to 145. Jack Shore is now a featherweight. And then you got Josh Kulabau's look good. And Lucas Almeida is a fun fighter. And Jer Anderson Brito is on his way up. I mean, 45 is a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun. Steve Garcia is knocking dudes out left and right. I mean, there's just a lot of fun guys at that division. A lot of fun guys in that division. Jamal Embers is out here just handing dudes first L's, and he's probably like the 50th ranked featherweight. Francis Marshall is a fun fight. I mean, there's just, there's so many. Featherweight's really fun. Featherweight's really fun. And middleweight's going to be really fun too when you ha- add Maga Madoff and you add Ikram Alaskarov to the mix and Bo Nickel and, and some of these other guys coming up. Fluffy Hernandez. That division is going to get a nice little overhaul as well, which I which I like a lot. And then as far as what Cannoneer gains with a win, probably not a ton. Probably a Maga Madoff or an Ikram Alaskarov, honestly. I don't think they're going to be in any rush to put Cannoneer in a fight with Israel Adesanya again. Or maybe they just feed him to Robert Whitaker again. I don't know. Because Whitaker already beat him. Adesanya already beat him. There's really not a lot of room for growth, honestly, for 
for Mr. Cannon Aaron. He's not really like over. Like Vittori's a little more over. But even then, Vittori already lost to Adesanya twice. So, yeah, I think they're just kind of just fighting for position. And then the fights aren't going to get much easier for them. The risk-reward factor is uh, going to get rough. Lone Wolf, hello. There, there, uh, there are a lot of things that we can talk about, but as we have, haven't have much time, so let's talk about the welterweight division. Currently, I think this division is really interesting right now. Like, there are a lot of contenders for a title, like Bilal Muhammad, Colby Covington, Shavkat Rachmanov is a, is, a, is a very great prospect. In, in future, he can become a case for the title. And Kamaru Usman, again, he can get the title shot after Hamza Chimaev's fight. That, is, that can happen in Abu Dhabi at UFC 294. So the point is that Colby Covington is the, most, is the front runner for the title shot at the moment. But as Bilal said, like, he's going to get it. Like, Colby is kind of nervous at the moment, and he thinks he will lose his title shot. And, like, there is a lot of going on in this division. And the question is that, what do you think? Like, should, uh, should not, you know, like, uh, let Colby wait for some time? Like, he should fight someone. Like, he, he hasn't fought in, like, 1.5 years. And like 1.5 years, he didn't he didn't fought anyone, and he fought the retired guy, Jorge Masvidal. I mean, he can get it, but let him fight someone. Like he can fight Shavkat Rachmanov, and then he can get it. I think at the moment Bilal should get it in Abu Dhabi. If it is if 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 the if the welterweight division title shot is going to happen in Abu Dhabi, I think Bilal is the guy who who. Who, who have who a fan in there, and they, he's going to sell there. Like, people, there are there people support him, Bilal Muhammad, uh, more than Colby. Uh, there are very, there are a lot of sources saying that the title shot is going to happen in Abu Dhabi at UFC 294. So I think Bilal Muhammad should fight Leon Edward, and Colby should fight Shavkat Rachmanov, and, like, Hamza Chimaev is fighting... Kamaru and he will surely uh, get the title shot after it. What do you think? Should should not they let Bilal uh, fight uh, Leon Edward instead of Colby Covington? What do you think about it? Thank you. Um. So look, I, I obviously am aware of the interview that Bilal did with our own Damon Martin. Uh, Bilal saying that Colby's nervous and he's saying things because he's nervous. Uh, I can assure you Colby is not nervous at all. <laughs> He's going to lose that title shot. Uh, Dana has, if there's one thing that Dana has done this year that he has put his feet in the sand about more than anything, that he is not going to budge, it is Colby getting that title shot. Colby's going to fight Leon Edwards next. There's no other way around it. Colby is fighting Leon Edwards next. That is 100% going to happen. The date up in the air, Colby's ready for whenever. Colby was ready for August. That was what he told me. That's when he wanted it. Leon said probably September, October, November. So do it at MSG. I'll tell you who should be nervous. It's Bilal Muhammad. He should be nervous. He should be nervous. Especially 
And hold on. Uh, let me just say this. Let us not act as if Hamza Shemaev, Kamar Usman is like 100% going to happen. Because again, until I see a poster, until I see Dana screaming in the studio that that fight is booked and it's happening and Hamza makes weight and all that, I ain't buying it. I am not buying it, especially at, at welterweight. Not buying it at all. So let's keep our expectations at a at a certain point. Now, adding to that, if that fight does get made and all goes well, and Hamza Shemaev wins, boy, is Bilal Muhammad in trouble. He is in trouble. Not only that, guess who else is supposed to fight this year? The biggest star in the history of the sport. Conor McGregor is supposed to fight this year. He's supposed to fight Michael Chandler at 170 pounds. Looks like December is what they're looking at. If Conor McGregor beats Michael Chandler, he's jumping everybody. And Bilal all of a sudden becomes third on the list. Not He's not in a, as good of a spot as he thinks he is. Or a lot of people think he is. Now, I feel bad saying that because Bilal has done everything in his power to earn a title shot. But at the same time, this is the exact reason why I hated the booking with Gilbert Burns at UFC 288. Why rush that fight out for no reason? Like, literally no reason to put that fight together. That fight did nothing for the bottom line. Zero. That fight didn't add any pay-per-view buys. That fight may have added a little intrigue. But it did nothing for the bottom line. It did nothing but rush two guys into the octagon for no reason when we knew the title fight wasn't coming up for another five, six, seven months. So that was my issue with the fight to begin with. Like, what are we doing? Why rush that fight out there? Why not just do the Jan Blachowicz-Paulo Costa fight? Like, what the hell is the problem with that? There's some divisional stakes, but not a ton. It's just two dudes fighting that people like. Who cares? And that one have actually done a little more for the bottom line because Paul Costa is great at setting up selling fights. And Bilal's now in a really tough spot because now he has to sit and wait and see how this all plays out. He's going to have to wait for the title fight. If they do Hamza versus Usman, he better pray that Kamara Usman wins that fight. And then he better pray that Michael Chandler beats Conor McGregor. And even then, that's not a guarantee that Chandler doesn't get the title shot. So Bil- timing is just not on Bilal Muhammad's side. His win streak is impressive. The dude is really good. He deserves a title shot. No doubt about it. Is he going to get it? He needs a lot of things to fall into place for him. He needs a lot to happen. He needs Conor McGregor to get injured or... They need that. He needs that fight pushed back to like May of next year. And then he needs Hamza Chimaev to stay at 185. And even then, like, what if they booked like, what if Hamza's like, nah, I can't do 170? And they book like Usman versus Shafkat instead. And Shafkat beats Kabar Usman. He might jump Bilal too. So I don't think, I don't think Colby's nervous about losing the title shot. I think if anybody should be nervous, it's Bilal Muhammad. And that is, just not fair to say, but that's the reality. That's the world we live in with the Ultimate Fighting Championship. They want to put on the biggest fights with the biggest names, and there is no way in hell Colby Covington is going to fight Shafkar Rachmanov after being promised a title shot. You know what? You know what, Dana? Sure. You were going to give me the title shot. You've been fighting this since March. 
But you know what? I'll go fight this Shafgat Rachmanov guy. I'll go fight him. No, he's not going to do that. Colby's a prize fighter. You can love him or hate him. The dude is good at prize fighting. Takes, gets big fights, takes the biggest name with the lowest risk. That is prize fighting. That's why John Jones is a great prize fighter. He could fight Sergey Pavlovich right now. But why would he? He's going to go fight Stipe, who's the bigger name and the easier, not the easier fight, but a fight he's probably going to win and make a lot of money doing it. It's prize fighting. Colby ain't fighting Shafkot. Bilal ain't... Bilal, I'm not saying Bilal couldn't get a title. Like, if Colby and the UFC have a spat about money or whatnot, the UFC could pivot and just do fine. We'll just do Leon versus Bilal in Abu Dhabi. But I think we'll get Leon versus Colby probably in November. There you go. But that's why I just hated the Bilal Burns fight. Not, not not the fight. I loved the fight. That was the fight to make. It just didn't need to happen at UFC 288. You could have put that anywhere. You could have put that at 289. That would have been a nice little addition to 289. Could have put it on the International Fight Week card. You could have put it in Salt Lake City. Could have put it in Boston. There's so you could have done it could have been on the same card as Colby in Leon. But no, we rushed it out. And now Bilal is going to have to sit and wait and hope that Connor or Shemaev don't fight anytime soon. And unfortunately, he's the one that needs to be nervous, not Colby. And it sucks to say because he deserves it. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Tokolo. I want to talk a bit. Uh, you know, I'm the... Let's call me the Danish correspondent, yeah? Uh, because... Uh, Marco Madsen, I'm not. I'm not saying he's done in the UFC, but he has moved back home to Denmark because of uh, his wife's uh, ALS has gotten worse. Uh, so that's one thing. He's no longer tra- uh, training at Fight Ready. Uh, he has declined a bunch of fights uh, here early spring. He has uh, told the Danish outlet uh, because of that, um, because of whole, that whole situation. So I'm not sure we're going to see him unless they do a like. Uh, Frankfurt Copenhagen ish card. Uh, and other than that, I wanted to talk a bit about a conspiracy with you. Uh, I don't know how uh, well, uh, how well versed you are in conspiracies, but the BMF belt, right? That is 
the timelines, I'm looking at timelines, I'm drawing, I'm, you know, I have my whiteboard, I'm drawing all of the, all of the arrows, all sorts of different directions. This BMF title is situated in a way where it lines up with Nate Diaz's boxing fight. And I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm just, I'm not saying, but I'm just saying, because this is, there, there could be kind of a uh, ploy from UFC's side to try and lure Nate Diaz back in with the belt that he made, with the belt that he crafted with his words. And I'm just saying, not saying, just saying, because he might want to, uh, he has told that he might want to go back in the UFC again. I'm just saying, if the BMF belt suddenly is on some person that didn't beat him, that would be the matchup that he would want to come back to. And I wouldn't want to see that fight. I'm not saying I want it. I do not. I do not want to see Nate Diaz decapitated. I am just saying that this might be the ploy from the UFC side. Thank you for morning. Uh, maybe. I don't know. Like, I don't know how much interest there would be in a Nate Diaz-Justin Gaethje fight. I mean, Justin Gaethje versus anybody, people would get excited about. But I think some people would be a little cringy with that one. Considering Nate is not the best at checking leg kicks, it could be a really hard night for him. There is a history with Dustin Poirier, and we know how much Dustin wants that fight. And he kind of, there's a part of him that feels like it's the one that got away. But it seems like, from where we were when Nate was a free agent and getting iced to getting booked to fight Hamzat Shemaev to taking the Tony Ferguson fight, the way he left, they left on pretty good terms, it seems like. It seems like Nate is open to come back to the UFC after this Jake Paul fight. I'm not saying it's not possible. I think Dustin would have to win. I think... It would be maybe for a Dustin fight, but I think if Connor, if, if Nate's going to come back, it's probably for the Connor fight, right? Like that's the biggest fight he can get right now. Outside, of, he's going to make a ton of money fight boxing Jake Paul. Win or lose, who gives a shit? Like Nate's going to find a way to spin it in his favor, and Nate's really good at that. And I'll be there. I'm actually going to be there for that fight. Um, I will not be in Vegas for International Fight Week. That's a bummer, but uh, I will be in Dallas for Jake Paul versus Nate Diaz. So I'm pretty excited about that. Uh, going back to Dallas, I've been to Dallas in a long ass time, but that should be fun. But yeah, I don't know. I don't know if it's a conspiracy, but you got it. It's, it's a built-in story, especially if Dustin Poirier wins that fight because those two guys have history and. They were supposed to fight at MSG. They had that press conference and face-off on the roof of a building in New York City, and then the fight just never happened. So possibly, I'll say no. I just think they... I just think the gimmick was put out there more because of Francis than because of Nate, if that makes sense. And I get the BMF thing. I don't like it. I wish you could be a little more original with it. Unless we could make the BMF like a thing. Like you can't just be a, a one-time thing. Like whoever wins that fight, 
every fight they have from here on out, they have to put the title on the line. Like, I'm all for a gimmick. It just needs to be a gimmick that works. It needs to be a gimmick that works. You can't just put a title up, say it's a one-time thing, and then just put it in a glass case and it never gets defended again. If this title becomes a thing, cool. I'm in. But until I see that, not uh, not 100% on board. But I'm, I'm for gimmick titles. You could have done the violence weight title, the all-violence title. There's so many ways we could have gone with this. But if the BMF title is going to be a thing and it's going to be continuously defended, then I'm cool with it. James, what's up? Hey, not much, Mike. Uh, speaking of the BMF title, uh, who would fight for the interim BMF title in the lightweight division? Not counting uh, McGregor and Chandler. I feel like that's too obvious of a one. And then with the news coming out yesterday of UFC – I'm sure you guys probably already talked about this, but with the revenue, that how much money the UFC is making, that the fighters are only getting 13%. I, me, a lot like you, I don't think we're ever going to really see a strike or fighter stand up, but how much more is it going to take? I mean, it, this is getting to the point of it's just getting ridiculous. And then uh, just one last thing, just uh, good luck again to your Celtics tonight. Hopefully uh, Miami isn't the only team uh, going back to Florida. And uh, hopefully Celtics can pull her out and force a game seven. Uh, have a heck of a morning, Mike, and uh, talk to you later. Yeah, it's funny. We were on uh, – we have, like, meetings twice a week with uh, with our staff, and we were talking about it on Tuesday before the game, and I was like – I pulled out the old Kevin Millar line. Just don't let us win. Just don't let us win tonight. Just don't let us win tonight. I don't have a ton of faith. But the Celtics, even in that win, did not play very well. They made shots, but they did not play great. And that was a game Miami probably could have and probably should have won, if we're being honest. But the Celtics made shots, and that was enough to win the game. But I don't know. I I don't feel like they're done. I don't feel like they're completely cooked. My confidence is uh, slowly getting back, heading into game five tonight in Boston, but they need to go out and just beat their ass. And then I'll feel a lot better about things. <sighs> Interim BMF title fight. Well, the revenue thing, look, I've talked about this a million times. I could, I would love to sit here and just be like, oh, the fighters deserve more money because damn right they do. But I have been saying this from the beginning. Could the UFC come out and be like, look, we're going to change fighter pay. We're going to do this. Like we made so much money. We're going to do this and that. Sure. They could do that, but they don't have to do that. And the reason why is because the fighters have had opportunities to come together and make something happen. And they haven't done it. They haven't done it. They could have done it when they sold the company in 2016. They could have done it when they had the apparel deals. They could have done it when they signed the ESPN deal. They could have done it when they just did the merger and they could have done it when they see the financials from Endeavor and how much the UFC makes and they're not doing it and they're not doing it. There's no push for the UFC to do this. We can talk about it all we want. We want the fighters to make more money. Of course we do, but you have to invoke change yourself. You have to give them something to fear. And right now the fighters are giving them nothing to fear. 
Nothing. They tried. There was a stretch where they're, remember? I think it was 2016. There are a couple of groups that were going to come together and, and try to enforce this change. And what happened? A week later, all gone. They're all gone. They were gone. So it's just not going to happen, guys. It's just not going to happen. We're going to continue to have this debate over and over again until they come together and say, look, we deserve a bigger piece of the pie. We deserve a better revenue share. We deserve this, that, and the other. And they need everybody to come together and do it. And this is a, well, it is a team sport in, in, at times because of your training and your coaches and your teammates. This is an individual sport. And the fighters that have made the money, what are they going to do? Are they going to support the guys making 10 and 10 and 12 and 12? Are they going to support the contender series guys? Are they going to support the fighters who just won an LFA title and then nine days later turning back around to make their UFC debuts? I don't think it's going to happen. I don't think it's going to happen. I would love to see it happen, but that's how you invoke change. It's public knowledge, but a year ago, I obviously worked for... MA fighting. We are owned by Vox Media. It's all over, it was all over the news. So I'm not saying anything out of place. We threatened to strike. We had a new deal that needed to be co collectively bargained upon. And they weren't budging. And we said, the, the group as a whole said, fine, you don't want to do that? Then we're just going to walk. If this isn't, if we don't have a deal in place by this time, we're done. We're walking out. And that could have been dangerous, but we were willing to do it. And then we came to terms on a deal before that could happen. But until that happens, none of this is going to change, guys. It's just not going to. The fighters have to do this. The, if they're expecting Dana White to have a press conference and say, we're raising fighter revenue, we're giving them this and giving them that, it's not going to happen. Every other sport has done this at some point. They all have players associations. They all have their own unions. They all have their own groups. They all have their own ambassadors. They have a seat at the table. It happens in all these other sports. And they were willing to walk out and lock themselves out and do all these things in order to get that. The fighters haven't done this. They haven't done it. And until they do, the fighter pay thing just isn't going to change. Sorry. So I don't blame, like, a lot of people want to shit on the UFC because of this. They could just do the right thing, but why would they? Why would they? There's no threat to them. I don't know. Maybe this, maybe this Francis deal could evoke some kind of change, at least when it's time to go back to the renegotiation table. But even then, like Dana ain't buying the Francis deal either. So, yeah, it's going to take the fighters to come together and say, we ain't fighting until you give us this. And I just don't see a world where that happens. And the managers need to support this and all of that. Interim BMF title fights. Charles Oliveira versus Rafael Fiziev. There's your interim 
BMF title fight at 155. Uh, CV, take us home. Yo, Mike, can you hear me? Yep. All right. Uh, speaking of uh, taking us home, I was actually uh, doing jury duty about a few hours ago. Well, started at 8.30, and they just told us to go home now. So, you know, per- perfect nice. timing. Um, yeah, uh, I dropped the question in the chat there. But um, if we do get the potential um, Chimeyev-Uzman uh, fight, um, like, yeah, what are your super early thoughts on that if that fight happens? Do you think, do you think Kamaru's still kind of, uh, like, a bit tentative on, on, on his feet since he got KO'd by, uh, like, by Leon? Or do you, do you think um, it's going to be more of, like, a wrestling-grappling match? Or, you know, does it just play out like the previous uh, Covington fights and we, we get, like, a standoff more? Thanks. Mm, I don't know. I think Usman's best bet would be to just go right after Shabayev and try to t- make it ugly. But, man, when Shabayev just gets you on the ground, man, he is just such a problem. He's just so physical and so big and just mauls people. And I just... I mean, he was getting out physical at times by Leon. If he's getting out physical by Leon, he's going to get out physical a lot by Hamzat. So my pick would be Hamzat Jamayev, but I'd have to look into it a little bit more. And I'm not ready to look into it a little bit more because I ain't believing it's happening until it happens. So Jamayev is the one who put this out there. And... I don't know. I just don't... I. It, Again, this is one of those things where I got to see it to believe it. I need the poster. I need a weigh-in. I need a walk to the cage. And then I'll be like, okay, this fight's actually happening. So, I, And I'm not ready to, to travel down that road just yet. So my pick preliminarily would be, uh, would be Hamza, but I just, I, I'm not buying it yet. Not buying it yet. I would rather see the cost of fight, honestly, because that, that's more believable. It's at 185. Those two hate each other. It would be built up really well. I mean, Usman would be interesting, sure, but the cost of fight's where it's at. That's the one. It was right there. It's right there. Everybody wants it. Why are we not doing that fight? I don't get it. I don't get it. All right, we are done. Um, 12.30 Eastern time, about an hour and a half from right now, if you're listening live. BTL. And it's going to be a very similar format to this. We have no UFC this week, so we decided me and Jed are just going to jump on the old YouTube and we're just going to answer your questions about whatever the hell you want. Uh, you heard my takes on some of this stuff. You'll get to hear Jed's. It will go for about an hour and we'll have some fun. And we'll get you ready, especially in the U.S., for a, for a nice long weekend without the Ultimate Fighting Championship. So... Stay tuned to MAFighting.com. We'll be back here tomorrow, 10 a.m. Eastern. We'll do this again. It's a free-for-all Friday, so we can talk about anything and everything. And then AK and I are also doing a Q&A on, on to the next one. So submit those questions like you would submit your matchmaking suggestions. And we're going to record that show sometime tomorrow. So get them in by tomorrow morning, and we'll address. we got some really good ones already. The list is piling up. So... Get those questions in by tomorrow morning and we'll address them on to the next one. But until tomorrow, everybody, or 12.30 for BTL, thank you for joining us. Have a great rest of your day. And as always, 
Have a heck of a morning, everybody. Listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. DraftKings brings you same game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. You can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just five bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligible and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources.